sometimes we seek after the will of God uh, and we think it's mysterious, right? And we're just trying to find what God wants for us. And God's like, why don't you start with the things that I make very clear? Mm -hmm. Pray a lot, pray for leaders, live a life that's godly and be a light to those around you. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, that doesn't sound exciting. Yeah, <laughs> right? no, like, yeah. Are you sure? Because, yeah. And God's well, like, yeah, no, do, do that first and then we'll see where, where I can take you. Welcome to the Loving God, Loving People podcast, where we talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus in our everyday lives and how, in the end, all that matters is God and people. Here's today's episode. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm sitting here with a very special guest. This is Justin Martz, who I'm sitting across from. And Justin, uh, for people who don't know who you are, you actually recently came on staff full-time, but you were on staff prior to that leading something called Sun Valley University. Before we get into that, give us a little bit of your background. You're a really smart guy <laughs> and you know a lot about the Bible. Kind of give us your, your education background to start. Sure. Thanks, Robert. Um, I went to college at um, what's now called Arizona Christian University, formerly Southwestern. I think Go you, Southwestern. That's you were where there for I got kicked out of that minute, college. Minute, but yeah, <laughs> I, kinda, I have a degree from there, so that's cool. Yeah. And then we went to, I went to uh, Western Seminary, which is in Portland, Oregon, and I did two masters there, uh, Masters of Arts and Exegetics theology. Which then, for, for the listener who's like, what's exegetical theology? Do you want to kind of explain that real quick? Sure. So exegesis is uh, just means to pull out of something what it is intended to mean. Um, and the opposite of that is eisegesis, reading into something. So a lot of times we want to read into scripture. We have our preconceived ideas yes. and we go looking for something to support yeah. that as opposed to going, what does the scripture actually say? Right. So with exegesis, you think about original languages, you think about history, culture, anything that you can to get into the minds of the original authors or readers. Mm -hmm. to well, have how did they hear it? How did they understand it? Right. Mm -hmm. So you can explain it better to others. Um, and that's actually the word that's used in John when it talks about Jesus explaining God. So mm -hmm. he exegeted God. Uh -huh. um, so Jesus and his life and his mission and his words showed us God. He brought out who God was and his his life. And, cool. Yeah. And that's just one degree. So your other one, yeah. your other it, master's. It's called a THM or a master's in theology. Okay. So, yeah. I had to do like a thesis and stuff. And, yep. And you're currently starting a doctoral program. Yep. Yep. Going to do a, a doctor of ministry or DM, DMEN degree at Phoenix Seminary. Okay. Yeah. So all that to say, Justin's super smart. <laughs> and uh, so a couple of years ago, we started looking at our, our staff at Sun Valley and going, man, we have phenomenal staff, but a lot of them, they didn't go to Bible college. They didn't grow up with that kind of traditional route. They were in the business world or they were in education and they came on staff. And so we went, what can we do to help bring some, some biblical training? And so we had a conversation and put together a program and started doing Sun Valley University, SVU for short, just to confuse everybody. And, uh, and we started this thing where they could learn Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, which are just big overviews of those two parts of the Bible. And then uh, hermeneutics, how to study the Bible and systematic theology, which is kind of taking those big chunks of what you talked about, exegetical theology and understanding what is the Bible teach on them. And so Justin's been teaching that course for our staff now for almost two years. Yeah. Yeah. We just started the third course of the second year for this group of students. And it's, uh, we just started theology and yeah, it's awesome. It's a lot of fun. And I'm really blessed to be able to, to do that. All right. So what's your, what's your role now? And I'm asking honestly, cause I'm like trying to figure <laughs> out what your new role is. So, so explain your, your current role. At sure. My, my role is ministry assistant to the lead pastor. Okay. Yeah. 
So not assistant lead, but this is like Dwight Schrute. This right, is like yes, assistant to the regional manager or yeah. assistant regional manager. So when when Chad told me that title, I made that joke, uh-huh. and he had never he never watched The Office. Oh, Chad. And I was oh, like, wow, buddy. You know, so first I felt a little awkward because like, <laughs> then uh, at the second time I'm like a little judgy because I'm like, who hasn't watched The Office? But yeah, yeah. apparently Chad, he's, he's probably just out reading his Bible yeah, all day. And so he never, he doesn't guy. have time to watch The Office. But so. uh, well, thanks for joining us for the podcast. And, and now that people kind of understand a little bit of who you are, obviously, who is Justin Martz is a, a much deeper question than what <laughs> sure. we, we've, we've jumped into. But I do want to talk about, we're in a series right now looking at the life of the Apostle Paul. And a lot of what we're looking at comes from the book of Acts, which you actually wrote a dissertation on the book of Acts and the structure. Kind of give us the overview and the abstract version of, of what, you, what you wrote. Sure. So my thesis for my THM, which was my master's in theology, was titled, What Luke Said, Paul Said, and Why? Okay. <laughs> so, so the the it was it's like a hermeneutic uh, on the book of Acts. Again, or, for our listeners yeah. who are like, what's a hermeneutic? Sure. Hermeneutics is the way you interpret something. So the rules in which you tr- you understand anything. Um, and we, you know, in theology make it, you know, how do you understand rules of the Bible, mm-hmm. different genres, different things like that. So it really was... Um, how do we look at the book of Acts? And at least I was proposing one way to, to read it, um, to understand it better and not only see kind of like what Paul or like Peter or the apostles were doing during that time that Luke is recording, uh, but what was Luke also doing um, for his readers? Mm-hmm. So we tend sometimes to read scripture like we're there live mm-hmm. or we're watching like the Truman Show, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're watching this live recording of, of something. Um, but scripture is, is a written document, right? That God worked through the authors using the ways that we would write a book now, right? Uh, in an ancient way, but mm-hmm. still the, the research, the, the material sourcing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when Luke was thinking about what do I want to communicate to my readers? Um, he was communicating historical actions that were happening and things. Yeah, and, and other historians have looked at Luke and gone, this guy's a top-notch historian. Totally. He, he knows what he's doing. He yeah. did his homework. He, he investigated. He asked good questions. So he's a great historian, but there's also, he, he has a purpose behind his writing. Yeah. So he wants his readers also to pick up not only the history, but also themes and th- theology that he's presenting. Um, to get across to his readers. So it was really that idea of how do we understand the book of Acts in those in those two ways. One, to pick up the history that he's presenting. And two, what key themes and ideas is he presenting in his book so that the readers can say, okay, here's kind of where, where this is going. Yeah. Now, just uh, out of curiosity, do you, in, in your mind, do you put Acts kind of in its own category and then Luke in its own category? Or do you see those two things being connected to each other? Yeah, totally. So um, I see Luke and Acts as like a two volume set. Okay. Um, so Luke was commissioned by Theophilus to write, write the gospel of Luke. Mm-hmm. And I would say the book of Acts is like a two volume Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about his life, ministry, death, resurrection, and then the early church and the and how that expanded. And so I think Luke's intent was by the time you read the Gospel of Luke in the Book of Acts, you really have an understanding of who Jesus is, what mm-hmm. he did, what the early church is about, and you're kind of faced with the decision to make at that point. Like, yeah. what are you going to do with this information now? Yeah. 
Yeah. So his goal would be evangelistic. Totally. To, to your point there of, okay, so, and, and if you're listening, uh, your Bible at the beginning of the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are kind of the biographies of Jesus. And they're written by different authors to different audiences with kind of a different emphasis or, or purpose. So Luke is the same one who writes Acts. And so he's authoring one of these biographies as a historian who's going around and talking to apostles and talking to, you know, those who, who had witnessed Jesus and, and writing down all of these facts and bits of information. And then also chronicles the story of the early church and, and kind of at the center of that story, you have the apostle Paul. Yeah. And so some things that kind of were fascinating to me as I was doing this research was that the, the acts is actually structured uh, in a really cool way. Uh, because if you remember, even from the series that we're doing, um, Paul, before his conversion, was out to destroy the church. Mm-hmm. And when he came, um, you know, he took his like three years to like really rethink his life and his, his all that stuff. Yep. He kind of has a little sabbatical moment where yeah. he goes off to the desert and has this season yeah, of preparation. It, yeah. He, yep. Like everything about who he was and what he knew, he had to like rethink and re-strategize like what's the rest of my life going to be about. And then he comes back, spends a couple of weeks with Peter, and then and then starts starts ministering. And people are like, "Whoa, now, buddy! Yeah. Like, who's this guy? You know, who's this guy? Yeah. Aren't you the guy who was killing us and all this stuff?" And so Barnabas, you know, gives him the gives him a little encouragement and nod, and and he's able to go off. But in the the structure of the Book of Acts is is fascinating because the first half of the Book of Acts is mainly focused on Peter, even mm-hmm. though there's other characters in the mm-hmm. in the story that are shown. Um, most of the speeches and miracles um, and like just actions are all Peter. Um, and then in 13, you get the first speech of Paul. Mm-hmm. And then from 13 to 28, it's mainly Paul. Mm-hmm. So you go from mainly Peter, again, there's others in there and, yep. and stories and stuff, but a lot of Peter. And then after 13, a lot of, a lot of Paul. And then if you compare kind of the, the miracles and, and activities that Peter did, does in the first half, it's mirrored by Paul in the second half. Yeah. So when these things really happen, what Luke is trying to do is he's saying, oh, look, Peter, who is a legit apostle, healed somebody, you know, because um, they touched his, you know, they saw his shadow or uh-huh. you know, stuff. Yep. Well, here's Paul healing somebody with his apron. Yep. Or here, here's Peter, you know, raising someone from the dead. Oh, here's Paul doing the same thing. So he's almost like level, like bringing him up as a, a legit apostle. Because people at the time, you see in Paul's letters, he's having to defend himself because people are going, yeah, but you're not, you weren't really with Jesus. And right. so you're not actually one of the apostles. Yeah. And, and if you're listening there, you're like, hey, what's an apostle versus a disciple? Uh, disciples used of the apostles, but it's also a more general term of those who follow Jesus. But then you had those that Jesus had selected, his 12, and then Judas betrays him. They cast lots for another guy, uh, which is kind of a unique part of, of Acts as well. Um, and then Paul's saying, hey, I also was with Jesus and was trained by Jesus and encountered Jesus and was commissioned by Jesus as an apostle. And so part of it is, to your point, helping to solidify this reality of, no, he's authoritative when he says, here's what the word of God says. And when he writes, he's writing uh, led by the spirit and that he's been commissioned to do that. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of the, when we read scripture, like the book of Acts, you want to catch both the the story that's being told and the structure of what's happening in the text, because mm-hmm. the structure can inform us and help us understand what the author's intent for the for the reader is as well. So it's yeah, because when I read the Bible, typically what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up my Bible to a section. I'm going to read that section and go, okay, what do I need to learn from yeah. this chapter or these verses? But to to zoom out, like you're saying, and to go, what's the overall structure? What are the big themes? Uh, there's a lot 
behind that, that that reveals a lot within those smaller portions of text. And, and so to your point, he's he's elevating Paul and saying, hey, this guy. And I find it interesting too, Paul and Peter have a, a disagreement yeah, in the midst right. of all of this. So talk a little bit about, about that moment. Sure. So in Galatians, uh, when Paul's really defending the gospel uh, and and what it means and what it's not, right? And he, he talks about this argument that he had with Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, so Peter comes in and... Um, he he kind of disassociates almost with the Gentiles and it's like over what they're eating. Mm-hmm. And so Paul like calls him out mm-hmm. um, and pretty much says like, you're like, you're kind of a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're an apostle and you're preaching the, the gospel message, but at the same time, you're kind of separating yourself out um, from the Gentile you know, Jewish kind of controversy. And that, that was a, a big controversy in the, mm-hmm. in the earliest church, mm-hmm. especially when Gentiles started coming on board, Yeah, uh, was like, how do we work the law out and in, in, in our lives and, and all that stuff. So, so yeah. So there's a, there's a moment in Paul's life where he has to confront Peter. Yeah. So if you're like, Oh, Peter, he's, you know, the greatest of all the apostles or whatever. Well, Peter was a guy just like yeah. us, you know, and, and he wasn't perfect either. And Paul wasn't perfect. Totally. Um, but God used Paul in the life of Peter to help refocus his attention. Uh, Cause Peter's the one that gets the, the vision of, Oh God, you're, you're okay with Gentiles coming to the faith. And he's there at the house of Cornelius and sees the whole family come to faith and goes back and is like, Hey, if the Holy spirit's going to fill Gentiles, who am I to argue with God and be like, yeah. Hey, you can't do that. And that's another theme. So when you, when you read through the book of acts, um, where you kind of pick up some of that, um, your, he, he wants the readers to see this light to the Gentiles going out and see mm-hmm. how salvation is really for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so he uses definitely things like that to, to point that way for the readers. Yeah. I look at acts and in many ways to your point of, of launching really this ministry of, of Paul. It's interesting too. You mentioned there's other characters. We've talked about Barnabas yeah. who you mentioned as well, who vouches for Paul and goes, Hey, I've heard this guy's testimony. I, I, I'm going to vouch for him. Like we can trust this guy. He's not just trying to infiltrate the church so he <laughs> right. can arrest us all or have us all killed. Uh, Jesus legitimately changed this guy's life. And and there's this interesting thing that happens because Barnabas is the known disciple at this point. And I mean, Saul or Paul, he's known, but he's more like infamous, right? Yeah. It's not It's not so much he's known in a good way. But as Acts continues, uh, Luke does this thing that's really subtle to us but if you you understand the Greek, the order of names is important. Totally. And and so you see Paul and Barnabas, but it's always Barnabas and Paul or Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas yeah. and Paul. And Barnabas is always first. And then this shift happens after Paul gives one of his speeches and he has this confrontation or whatever. And people are amazed. and They're going, man, this guy has authority. From that moment forward, it's Paul and Barnabas. And, and they shift the order. So Luke shifts the order to go, okay, do you see the handoff taking totally. place? Do you yeah. see the rise of... Paul into a position of authority as, as this kind of timeline unfolds. Do you agree with me? Or you yeah, no, like, I totally, yeah, all right. I totally agree You're just you. nodding your head. I'm like waiting. Yeah, no, it's, I'm just taking it all in. No, it's like, this is good stuff. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting because it is, again, to the point that you're making of there's a structure to this and there's an order to this and there's something he's communicating. And I love what you said at the beginning and at the end of it, it kind of leaves the question to the reader so what are you going to do with this? Yeah. And, and what's fascinating about that again is um, at the end of Luke, we, we see Paul. Uh, he's, in, he's like in a house arrest in Rome. Uh, and there's this, he's kind of in this house arrest that's interesting because people can come and see him kind of at freely. At the end of Acts. At the end of Acts. Yep. So at the end of Acts. 
and Paul's at house arrest, and he's like the whole book of Acts has been building up, building up to like Paul going to Rome and all these things, right? And you're like, it's like it's like going, 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 and you're kind of excited to see what happens. And um, this group of Jewish leaders come and see him. Mm-hmm. He presents the gospel to them, and they they walk away with some believing mm-hmm. and some rejecting, yeah. right? Which is the typical yeah. like you believe or reject. And so that's the historical account. Like that, so that happened historically. Mm-hmm. And um, pretty much right after that, it says, um, you know, Paul kind of was in Rome. And then, oh, no, Paul actually uh, quotes a passage from Isaiah saying, okay, this is what God said about having eyes, but not seeing and ears, mm-hmm. but not hearing, right? And then Luke just kind of gives a summary statement of Paul in Rome, and then the book ends. And you can actually read a lot on the ending of Acts because it ends really abruptly. Uh-huh. Uh, and people are like, "Why? Like, was did he mean to do a third volume? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on here?" And so, part of my he run out of ink or something yeah. in his quill, and all of a sudden it's like, "Oh man!" So, if you're interested in my thesis, you can read all about <laughs> these different options of the book, of, the ending of the book of Acts. But what I conclude is Luke intentionally uses that account to end his book because he wants his readers to be faced with the same mm-hmm. kind of option that those Jewish leaders that Paul was talking to had. Yeah. So he's kind of just says, here's a, here's a, here's an account. Yep. They, they reacted, there's a rejection or acceptance. And then Paul was in Rome done. Like now what are you going to do? Kind of putting it now into the reader's court. You've, you've read about Jesus, you, his work, his life, his death, resurrection. You've read about the early church, his ministry and the ministry of the Holy Spirit spreading out. And now you have a decision to make. Yep. Congratulations. What are you gonna what are you gonna do? Yep. And you gotta you gotta make a decision. Now, one of the things I, I love about Justin is he loves movies and to the point where he over-evaluates storyline <laughs> and structure and all of that, just the way he's wired. But yeah. even as you're talking, I'm like, it makes me think of you remember the end of Inception? Yeah. And they have that top spinning, you know, on yeah. the table or whatever, and it's zooming in and that tension's building, and then it just Rolls credits yeah. and you don't know, did it fall over? Yeah. Did it continue? Yeah. If is you it didn't real? see Inception, it not don't worry, but yeah. uh, it's like, totally. it leaves you with this tension of like, what do I believe is actually happening in this yeah. moment? And and it seems like that's what Luke is doing is he's leaving that, that moment of tension at the end and just, it stopped and you're just like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> what, do, what do you do with yeah. this information? And again, that, that's the structure versus the kind of the story in, in the, in the content, right? So mm-hmm. we can, sometimes we focus a lot on the story and the, and what's happening, especially with narratives. Mm-hmm. We love narratives. Um, but we don't want to miss the point of the author to the reader. Um, and in this case, I think it's, I, I, like Luke would be, I, I just gave you a lot, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I gave you a lot about Jesus, a lot of historical accounts. Like you, you got to make a choice. Yeah. And I think I've made the argument pretty well um, while I'm giving you historical data. Mm-hmm. Um, but the choice comes to you. You can accept it or reject it. And again, you can be, you can kind of align yourself to this Isaiah passage with like ears that aren't can't ears that don't hear and eyes that don't mm-hmm. see type thing and be hard hearted. Um, or you can. Except Christ. All right. So let me ask you a question. Let's, let's take what Luke is talking about here and let's, let's go all in. So Luke is moving this from we're, we're no longer just outsiders watching a story unfold to now it's personal. Now it's, so what do I, as the, as the hearer, as the reader, what do I do with this? As you, as you look at the life of Paul, as you look at what Luke has recorded through Acts, what are some of the things that we need to evaluate when it comes to our own application? What are the things that that we can go, okay, what do I personally do with this? Because again, it's easy to sit back and just look at somebody's life and go, I, I read their biography or I watched their biography. It's a lot more difficult 
to go, how do I apply that in my life? So when Paul's doing this, what does that mean for me personally? What are some of those themes that you see that are more introspective, more for us to respond to? Sure. Um, I think um, I, I, I talk in, the, in my thesis specifically about Acts 13, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the first speech of Paul in the book of Acts. So again, historically, Paul is giving a speech to a group of Jewish leaders, mm-hmm. um, and then they invite him back, and um, there's a big crowd, and then he they reject him, mm-hmm. right? And then he um, quotes a passage, another passage from Isaiah. So historically, he's quoting this passage to them saying, as God commanded us, you are going to be a light to the nations. And he's talking about him and Barnabas, actually, mm-hmm. right? You'll be, so this passage that he quotes is actually a passage about the Messiah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he's saying this Isaiah passage um, actually refers to us. Uh, and how we are going to be lights to the nations. Mm -hmm. And so one of these themes in the book of Acts is really being a light in the world, Mm -hmm. um, especially to the Gentiles when it comes to Paul's mission. But I think one of the things is, how are you being a light to the world? Mm -hmm. And so Paul strategically had a mission or a strategy that he was working out as he was doing his mission that Luke kind of shows us. He he would always go first to a synagogue. Mm -hmm. He'd present a nice, you know, gospel message to his fellow Jews. Mm-hmm. And then after that, usually being rejected yep. and he would focus on the Gentiles and they would accept it. Right. Yep. And they, and they the church is growing and expanding. Um, but then like in Acts 17, he goes to the Areopagus, right. And he gives this great speech and he contextualizes it to that audience. Yep. Right. So we're seeing Paul in, in these different um, kind of places First, having a desire to be that light and bring the gospel and then being able to do it differently depending on who his audience is. Mm-hmm. And I think we can learn from that too, right? How, yep. how do you live life knowing that you you also get to take place um, when Paul said, we, we're lights of the nations. Mm-hmm. He was able to say that because... Um, he's part of the mission of the Messiah. Yeah. He's part of the body of Christ. He's not claiming to be the Messiah. He's no. just saying we're, we're representing yeah. the Messiah in our message, which is what Jesus says to his yeah. followers. He says, you are the light of the world. Yeah. So Jesus exactly. gave that, that, yeah. that title. Yeah. So um, as, as we go out, um, we want to continue the mission of the Messiah and mm-hmm. be lights to the nations. And so in our life, in our mission, and I think like it, it is strategic. Like he had a strategy, mm-hmm. um, like, do you have a strategy, right? Yeah. Like, do you, or are you just kind of winging it as you go and yeah. being like, you know, I hope, I hope eventually I'm going to run across someone and present the gospel to them. Or are you thinking like, what am I really doing with my life? And whenever Paul had an opportunity to speak, he took it. He never was like, well, I didn't really prepare notes. Yeah. He's always ready when it's like, Hey, so, so talk more about that. He's ready to go. One of the things I find fascinating too, whether he's talking to Jewish leaders and whether he's in a synagogue, whether he's talking to Gentiles, he always weaves in his testimony. Yeah. And and you see that repeated throughout Acts yeah. of he just goes, Let me let me tell you, I encountered Jesus on the road and I was blinded. And then, you know, he, he just goes through that and I, I encountered the risen Christ and he changed my life. And that's always tied to it. And then he reasons with scriptures and he does all the, you know, his uh, you know, kind of theological digging through the Old Testament and making his points, but his testimony is such a pivotal part of of his uh, gospel presentation of let me tell you first what he's done in my life. Yeah. And, and now again, let me help point you to scripture and, and where all this is revealed. Yeah, and it's th- it's three times mentioned throughout the book of Acts, and each time we get like a little more details. Mm-hmm. And again, that's part of Luke's strategy also to his readers to say, again, let's legitimize this guy and show you you know, how he became this. But like you said, if we think about the historical situation, um, his personal testimony is really important. Mm -hmm. So like 
do you have one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, are you, um, a lot of people say yes to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And then we kind of say, um, let me make Jesus now a part of my life. Uh, what Paul did, he took three years, right, um, and set that aside and said, how do I make my life all about Jesus, yep. right? And do a 180 with yep. every, like literally he did Which, everything. Hang on, I'm going to repeat that because that's, that's brilliant. So rather than just going, how can Jesus be a part of my life? It's how can my entire life be a part of Jesus and what he's doing? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, thanks. Bro. I'll take that. <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so three years, right? Um, and so again, we can say yes to Jesus, and I just wonder how long we take to to do what Paul did, you know, 10 minutes or or anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the message too, is you, you gotta you gotta have a strategy for for living um and and still be spirit led, mm-hmm. um, but still live live in a way that is pleasing to God and focused on how do I be a part of the growth of the church. Yeah. And I know we're talking all about Paul, but to quote Peter and, and be ready to give the reason for the hope that you have. Yeah. And, and be prepared when those opportunities come, uh, be ready and do it with gentleness and yeah, respect. Exactly. Yep. And, and you do it keeping a clear conscience. Even if people are like this, you're stupid for believing this. All right, take it, but you just be ready and, and be ready to share the reason and, and be ready to share your story. Yeah, and, and, I gr- and you never know what God will do with that. I grew up in a context uh, and tradition. I think that that passage was used to like be, um, really on the offense or like almost offensive uh-huh. when it came to yeah. like defending the faith. Like, no, always be ready. Like, be ready to like, to I think you've even asks. shared, like you've even shared in your past, like being online and yep, like, yep, you yep. know, like really just blasting people with the gospel, yep. right? Um, but, but Peter you, says, you who the, asks yeah. for the reason that the hope, the hope yeah. that you have. And you even quoted the rest of it mm-hmm. with like gentleness and yes. respect. And in his context of that letter, these are people being persecuted. That's right. Like they're dying and but they're, they're, but they're living, they're living the gospel. And their hope is so evident yeah. that people are going, why do you still have hope? Yeah. It's almost the opposite <laughs> because like they're, 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 they're dying for their belief, but mm-hmm. continuing living that way instead of being like, you know what? I'm done. Like, don't yep. hurt me anymore. Yep. And so if someone's like, dude, why do you like, why don't you, why are you doing this? You know, then you're like, let me tell you about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. And the hope that I have for eternity, that's what it's talking about mm-hmm. is based on your lifestyle which should look somewhat different than the world. If someone's like, why does, why does your life look different? Mm-hmm. Um, are you living a life? Actually, this, um, we, this morning in class, we talked about a passage in, in Timothy, when Paul tells Timothy to pray uh, for everyone, uh, including leaders. Mm-hmm. And he says, you should pray for leaders so that you can live a quiet and peaceful life full of godliness, right? Yeah, that's a passage... You never hear in a sermon, you never hear that quoted. I yeah. mean, that just, we just yeah. kind of forget says, that one. And that's good and pleasing to God who I've desires, a, a who desires all to be saved. Mm-hmm. And you read that and you're like, man, I, I wish I knew what God's will was for my life. I'm sure he wants me to be like a, a superhero or a rock star or mm-hmm. like do these amazing things. And what God wants is for you to live a life that's peaceful and quiet and godly, <laughs> raise your family mm-hmm. and be and, and be a light to those around you because he wants people to be saved. So you and your life, whatever that context is, yeah. how you're living will make a difference. Yeah. 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 Instead of everybody, let's go out and be so offensive and so abrasive that somebody has to respond to us. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's definitely that 
there's so many things in scripture that we want to just put it in one camp and there's tensions to be managed and there's what is the wise thing to do. And in the context, is it, Hey, I need to wave the banner and make a big deal out of this. Or is it, no, I need to be the best employee I can possibly be to gain influence. And when somebody goes, there's something different about you then be ready to give the hope. And, And there is a tension there and it's hard to prescribe to every person on earth in every unique situation in every political context in geographical context and cultural context to say, here's how you have to do it. Uh, there, there is some tension to that. And there is some wisdom and again, leading of the Holy spirit of when to speak up and, and when to, when to be quiet yeah, exactly, <laughs> and, and when to stand strong and, and when to submit and, and all of those things, it's, it's not just black and white. Hey, it's always this way or that way. There's, there's tensions there. Exactly. Yeah. I think Augustine said something like um, always be preaching the gospel and sometimes use your words, Yeah, right? Yep, and so, when necessary. Yeah, when necessary, yep. use words. So it really is like, it, it, we, we, sometimes we seek after the will of God uh, and we think it's mysterious, right? And we're just trying to find what God wants for us. And God's like, why don't you start with the things that I make very clear? Mm-hmm. Pray a lot, pray for leaders, live a life that's godly and be a light to those around you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, that doesn't sound exciting. Yeah. <laughs> right? no, like, yeah. Are you sure? Cause yeah. And God's well, like, yeah, no, do, do that first. And then we'll see where, where I can take you. Well, it's funny how much we love to, when it comes to scripture, cause there's so much you can dig into. I mean, you did a whole thesis on the structure of acts. There's so right. many things you could spend a lot of time just digging into, digging into. And I find a lot, we love to do that because uh, we can always debate. We can always find things to argue and it's interesting and you can have great conversations about it. And the deeper you go on some of this stuff, the less you have to actually do with it because it's all just intellectual. It's all just, you know, do I agree with this, disagree? And see, it's kind of, you know, mental battles that we have back and forth as opposed to those simple things that are really clear in scripture, but really hard to actually apply, like loving your enemy or praying for those who persecute you or blessing those, you know, like those are the things that are so crystal clear in scripture that if I could just focus on this theological conversation over here, I can kind of push this aside and, and ignore it and not have to deal with it because I'm just focused so much on being right at whatever this thing is over here. Uh, but there are some things that are just crystal clear that, okay, yeah. this is top priority. And these other things are, are kind of side conversations. You talked about a, a professor that you had and the professor delineated with the class because there's so many things, especially when you get into seminary. That people love to debate and people love to have arguments over. And there are things that people have been torn on for thousands of years. Totally. And we haven't come to a, a good clear. Finally, we figured out the answer. And he says, some of those conversations are, and, and I'm quoting you, quoting him, are pipe and beer <laughs> That's right. That's conversations. Right. Yep. Uh, explain pipe and beer conversations versus, okay, these are more of sure. the essentials. Yeah. And if you don't drink beer or smoke a pipe, make it soda and, you know. Chocolate. Chocolate, right? <laughs> and if you don't yeah. eat chocolate or soda, water and a... Yeah, you know, whey protein. Whey protein, and, yeah. yeah. and some celery Yeah, whatever sticks. it is for whatever you, it is. what it is. Yeah, yeah but the, the meaning of that was there are some essential doctrines of Christianity, things that we'll, we should die for. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, Trinity. Mm-hmm. Like Christianity is unique with our view of who God is. Mm-hmm. One God, three persons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christianity is based on salvation through faith in Jesus, mm-hmm. his life, death, resurrection, even ascension. Uh, and, and, and stuff like that, right? These, These are, are essential to the faith. This is within the, the yeah. yeah. If, if you start abandoning those things, it's no longer Christianity. It's something different. Totally. Uh, and so there's a lot of, a lot of things out there that we can have healthy debates about and internal conversations. Um, and there's a whole spectrum of thing of, 
of belief systems within Christianity. Uh, for instance, like end time stuff, which mm-hmm. we call eschatology or the study of end times. You can be a Christian and be a very, you know, strong Jesus follower and want people to come to know Jesus mm-hmm. and and be on a spectrum of I'm a strong premillennial, yep. uh, you know, uh, post-trib type person, or I don't believe in the tribulation or the millennial or, or whatever, like there's debate amongst, and that's, it's been that way since, since the beginning. Yeah. And, and those would be conversations that you don't want to hang your hat on and go, man, my whole life and my whole existence is going to be built around this piece of theology. Yeah. Um, that, that those are things too, that we want to debate and we want to just say, Hey, do you agree with me? Cause if you don't, then you're in a different camp and we can't be friends. Right. Uh, or if you do agree with me now we're best friends and let's unite together to convert everybody else to our way of thinking. Uh, your professor said, Hey, no, those are pipe and beer or <laughs> right. celery and whey protein or whatever it is. That's right. Uh, conversations that you just have those just friendly sitting around yeah. hanging out. Those aren't the essentials that, that we're going to hang our hat on or die for. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm, talking to somebody who's not a believer and they are going down a road of age of of the earth of one of those things. Yeah. One of the, yeah. Many, Um, what I want to do is, is bring them to Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Debating the age of the earth or evolution or, or whatever isn't, isn't necessarily going to do that. Or age of accountability or all these different things that people have debated about babies mm -hmm. or like all these things, what's your end times or whatever. Um, those, there's a lot of stuff in those things that are mm-hmm. helpful. And I think there are people out there that are, that do a lot of work in those areas. Um, and they have the kind of niche uh, ministries to help um, have bridge those conversations. But even if their conversations is, let me prove to you my, my point mm-hmm. and not let me help you have a conversation or let me have it, let me bridge a gap so I can have a conversation with you to bring you to Jesus, then they're missing the point, mm-hmm. point two, right? Let's, let's bring everybody to Jesus first. Yep. And then once you're in the camp, uh, if you want to talk you've, about- You've received like, his grace fall, through faith and you know, what he's done yeah. in his death, burial, resurrection, in his perfection, all of that. Yeah, that's, those are the essentials. Now you can dig into some of these other yeah, things. Yeah, and then, so like, for instance, um, I just read a book called The uh, Genealogical Adam by a guy mm-hmm. named Joshua Swamidas. Okay. And he just did a couple podcasts. Um, very interesting guy. He's a scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's trying to kind of have a conversation or, or put on the table a way to have a conversation with people who are like, you know, strong evolutionists mm-hmm. or people who are like, well, the Genesis 1 and 2 kind of teach me this and kind of my tradition. And so if you listen to the guy, his book is like very dense, right? So it's like hard to follow, but mm-hmm. it's really good. But if you listen to him, he loves Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, wherever you fall in this, I just want people to, to know Jesus. Yeah. And you're like, wow, that's awesome, you know? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it, since we're talking about it too, and we've been talking about Paul, it's funny because he even at one point, Paul writes, uh, and, and you'll have to help me figure out where, where this is. He says, don't get caught up in controversies yeah, and genealogies. And genealogies yeah, he says, be, like be yeah. careful not to be so obsessed with some of these obscure things. Yeah. Uh, because that, that that's part of what our enemy wants us to do yeah. is get so focused on the minors that we miss the majors. Yeah. As opposed to being so focused on the majors that the minors, we, we can have grace with people that we disagree with. Totally. Uh, even if we have a strong opinion on it, uh, that we're so focused on the majors of, yeah, it, it's Jesus plus nothing and Jesus comes first and it's about people meet meeting Jesus, knowing Jesus, following Jesus in these other things are more kind of off to the side. He, he writes about that. Yeah. And he gives that warning and says, be careful. Um, and so I think we'd be wise to listen to his writing on Yeah, that. I think so 
Yeah, because he's yeah, super smart. He, if anybody could have had these conversations, it was Paul. If anybody could have gotten into yeah, the weeds it, on debatable topics, he was the expert on everything Old Testament. And that's and in, in, in Titus, he even uh, he starts out talking about like that, like knowing doctrine is important, but it should lead to life change. Yeah. I'm totally paraphrasing, but like, well, he says, "I claim to know nothing, but yeah. Jesus crucified." Like he goes, I, I, "Let me just." Forget everything else that I know. This is what's most important yeah. right here. And even in, um, I, there's, a, there's a book I just read called The Bedrock of Christianity. Uh, and it focuses on, in, in Corinthians, when Paul talks about like um, resurrection. And mm-hmm. he said, Jesus, you know, he was resurrected on the third day. Uh, he appeared to the women. He appeared to Peter. You know, then he, you know, mm-hmm. 500. And then he kind of goes down this list. And it talks about how this, this um, saying is almost like a creed that would have been super early in Christianity. Like what he's quoting uh-huh. is something that was formed that as he would have been going to like church, like starting churches, he's mm-hmm. like, okay, you got to know this. Yeah. Like repeat after me this doctrine, right? This creed yep. that is really a foundation to what we to what we believe. And so that's probably as early as when he spent those two weeks with Peter because mm-hmm. he wouldn't have known about Jesus seeing Peter probably unless Peter told him. Yep. So this very, very early creed is a, a form of doctrine that he's probably teaching to, well, he is, like we have a letter, right? right? He's in the letter that he's teaching to these churches. So knowing theology uh, and being able to say, okay, what do I think? What do I believe? Like even in class, um, we, we're going through some deep stuff uh, and I'm having them write some doctrinal statements. So they're wrestling with things. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, um, you have to like live life, right? As a, as a believer, as best as you can and be a light to, to the world. And so even though that's an example of having a creed that's early, that's important. So mm-hmm. we need to know those things. We don't just beat people over the head with it. We live it, right? And we kind of show it in our lives. And I love that the core of that creed is Jesus rose from the grave. That's right. It's all about the resurrection. If you want to know what is the, what is the, back to the bedrock, the foundation is that Jesus conquered death. And by the way, there's all these witnesses, Paul says. Yeah. And if you don't believe and me, go ask them. Yeah. yeah. They're still alive. alive. So go ask them. Yeah. Go get the first person testimony from these people. Yeah. And, and in this book, the the author says there are some things that no, no matter who, what kind of scholar you are, even if you're like a atheist, but you're a scholar, you, you agree on. And so some of it is like, like that creed or the, some of the letters that Paul wrote that aren't debated among scholars. And, mm-hmm. and so he's just pulling these things that aren't debated and saying, what, are the, what does this stuff tell us? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of really cool to yeah. think about. Yeah. All right. Well, as we're wrapping up here, uh, since you're kind of an expert on acts and studying yeah. all of that, what, what's something that we don't know about Paul, that the average person who opens up their Bible oh, and reads, what's, give, give us something. You got to have something deep, like in the, in the file, some obscure fact or something that, that most people don't know about the apostle Paul. Oh my goodness. Um, well, I, I don't know if everybody knows this or not. Right. But early on in, in his ministry, um, he's like, he's like lowered out of a city within a basket. Uh-huh. Uh, and so there's actually a really cool, um, kind of a really cool theme that Luke does by he he kind of paints a picture of who Paul is compared to who Moses is. Mm-hmm. So if you, if people can, I would leave people with this, if you can do a study on kind of like some major things about Moses mm-hmm. and then compare those to some 
Paul. Mm-hmm. Like Luke is almost showing Paul as kind of having a ministry very similar to, to Moses's ministry. Who was rescued through a basket. He was rescued through, through a basket. Yeah. So yeah. So one's that's one connection, right? So rescued through a basket, rescued through a basket. Yep. So yeah. Which cool. means he was also small enough to fit in a basket and be lowered down by his <laughs> that's friend, right. So. Yeah, it's going to be a really big basket. Yeah. He's very small. That's one of two options. <laughs> nice. Well, Justin, thanks for taking time and, and talking us through Luke and talking us through Acts and the life of Paul and, and the wisdom of Scripture. Appreciate uh, your ministry and helping our staff in so many ways. For all of you who love Sun Valley, Justin's a key part of, of helping our team, helping our staff um, understand Scripture, understand the Bible. So grateful for you. Uh, we typically end our podcast with a prayer. Do you want to pray for those who are listening? And we'll wrap up our time. I'd love to. Yeah, thank cool. you. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just, uh, again, thank you for every day you give to us. And we just pray that um, we can live our lives as lights to the world. Help us to be reflections of who you are. Help us to seek to understand um, your word uh, and what it says to us. Um, but help us to really just be the light in the world and a reflection of who Jesus is as we continue his mission in the world to bring others um, to a saving knowledge of you. So we just, again, thank you for each day we have. Help us to really embrace the truths of who you are. Uh, And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Loving God, Loving People podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this conversation, we'd love it if you rated the podcast and left us a review. Also, sharing this with a friend is a great way to help more people meet, know, and follow Jesus. And lastly, you are always welcome to join us online for one of our services every week at live.sv.cc or go to locations.sv.cc to join us in person at one of our physical locations. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.